none of us are perfect. So it's just try to do small steps and believe in your heart that those small steps are really helping. But know in, in, in your heart that the bigger the number of those small acts, there will be an impact. And, you know, you don't change anything unless you change your own behavior. And then it will reflect on everybody else around you. Podcast. I'm your host, business mentor and personal brand strategist on a mission to inspire at least five people a day to take action, do something different and show up as the best person that they aspire to be. Keep all your messages coming, whether that's leaving a five-star review on podcast or whether that's letting me know on Instagram, Kelly Lundberg Official, what you've been inspired about by something that you've heard. It makes my day, but it also makes my guest day as well. So let us know what has resonated with you and what has had an impact. Today's guest is truly inspirational. She's a client of the brand new creators team, Fatima Bulfaki's legal consultant, independent arbitrator, mediator, and business consultant. Her story is so fascinating. She really pushes boundaries throughout her career, and she decided to retrain as a lawyer pregnant with her third child and coming out of retirement. But that's a whole nother story. She's super inspired to keep learning and following what she is truly passionate about. Fatima says that this is just the beginning. Stay tuned for our really inspiring episodes. Hi, Fatima. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. Thank you so much, Kelly, for the invitation. I'm excited to join you on your podcast. Have you done many podcasts yet? Have you been? I know you've won loads of awards, which we're going to talk about soon. But have you have you been on many podcasts? I've been on a couple, but they're all very technical so not nothing like this <laughs> yes well why don't we go into a little bit of a backstory about what it is that you do and then I'm going to explain to those that are listening why I invited you on the questions that I'm really curious to know you were actually our very first Emirati client that we've had on um the podcast and this is episode oh, wow. I think we're in the 50s now so um yeah I, I'm I'm so happy to have someone here represent and someone especially like yourself who is um, such a role model for so many women in the UAE so over to you maybe do a little bit of a backstory as to who you are and and what you do uh, thank you so much for your kind words so my name is Fatima Bilfaqi I am a UAE national uh, I work as a legal consultant. Uh, I also uh, work as a corporate consultant in terms of uh, corporate governance. I'm an arbitrator, mediator, mother of four, and uh, just a, a, busy, a very busy woman. <laughs> um, uh, you wear many hats. I, I do wear many hats. I am working, like right now, I have my own consultancy, which I have established in 2018. I am born, raised, educated fully in Abu Dhabi, uh, the UAE, so a, a bit biased to Abu Dhabi, but... <laughs> As we go. sit here in Dubai, tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up in Abu Dhabi. As someone who's lived in the UAE for 20 years and seen such a shift, I cannot imagine what, like, from what it was like when you went to school to now. Like, share a little bit about that. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, Abu Dhabi life is a bit more uh, slower than Dubai, but it's uh, it's uh, it's like the, the the older sister kind of uh, situation where it's uh, very slow, very mature, and it always had uh, this undertone of formality in it. Uh, I was very um, fortunate when I was a, a child to be educated most of my uh, education in private schools. Um, and funnily enough, uh, I went to a school called the uh, Rosary School, which was uh, a school that um, had uh, nuns uh, as the administrative staff. So I was from a very young age uh, exposed to different cultures, different religions, uh, how does it integrate in our everyday life? Um, what is uh, deemed appropriate and inappropriate to discuss in terms of differences? Um, and that kind of shaped who I am as a person growing up. I've always had this, um, and, and similarly to uh, all of my sisters, brothers, and, and cousins who went to the same school, we found ourselves after we went into the professional world that we have a, a bit more of an open-mindedness to differences. Mm, mm, mm. And we kind of accept people for, you know, where they're from, who they are. It doesn't matter what's their religion. As long as, you know, uh, we, we have the shared uh, ethical code, you know, that was the, the focus in my education before. And then uh, after I finished my school, I also had uh, uh, the experience of going a few years into the normal uh, government school, the public schools. And this is where most of, um, at the time, most of uh, uh, people took their children to study. It was in the public schools at the time, um, where I met uh, a lot of my current friends, you know, and I made uh, uh, friendships uh, from um, um, other UAE national uh, families. We got to know our community a little bit more because the way that the schools are, uh, the government schools are, uh, it's allocated where you go. It's uh, according to the neighborhood that you live in. We got to know our neighbors and our community and all of that. Uh, and then uh, I went to Zaid University to study my first degree. Uh, again, Zaid University, we were, I think, the second, uh, uh, the second uh, cohort in it ever. Um, which would give away which year it was. <laughs> I say that in hindsight, maybe you should edit this one out. <laughs> was it always expected that you would go to university? You know, because I know things have yeah. changed so much in sort of last 20, 30 years, but it was always a, yes, you will go to university. There are the opportunities there for you. It wasn't that you were expected to, you know, stay home. It was, no, this is time to, for you to still learn and explore. Well, you know, it's uh, uh, in my family's situation, it was slightly different. Uh, My dad and my mom set the tone quite early on in our life. Uh, I I cannot forget that day when my eldest sister had graduated from high school and she was the eldest in the family, the whole family. And my dad sat us down and said, the legacy of this family is education. So that was just, you know, tone set for all of us is that you pursue your education no matter what. So not all the families are in the same mindset. And at the time, 
and especially at my sister's time, my sister is like maybe five years older than me, and you can see how the shifts uh, of of perceptions and 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 thoughts have changed. In her time, the only um, line of education and work that was acceptable is that you study to become a teacher. Ah, okay. So that was the accepted profession, and it was still not very open to a drive. Um, it was a little bit of a yes, you can by law, but is the family going to allow you to drive? By the time it was my turn, uh, it was slightly different. That it was more of study, of course, an acceptable quote unquote uh, 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 major, and you go work in the corporate field. Mm. But again, like the family had a lot of say in which uh, and I had to consult my dad. What did I want to study and get a stamp of approval at the end of the day? So yeah. you pitched to him. What did you say you wanted to go and study? Uh, funnily enough, and, and uh, you know, and it's, it's one of the funniest conversations I always had with dad. My version of the story is I asked him to study law. Uh, and law was in uh, UAE University in Alain. My sisters went to UA University in Alain, but uh, I don't do well in, in shared rooms. <laughs> so <laughs> my dad's, uh, and Zaid University have opened in Abu Dhabi. Um, so my dad's point of view is like, uh, you know that you won't do well in, in that environment. And uh, you study in Zaid University. So I was like, okay, then if I'm not going to study law, I'm going to study uh, political sciences. And he said, no, that was uh, an, uh, not a very, very appealing uh, uh, major for him. And then, you know, a lot of back and forth until I settled down on finance. Uh, when I, when, when now, like fast forward, I did eventually become a lawyer. And my dad, one day was like, oh, I'm so proud of you. This suits you so well. Why don't you choose law from the beginning? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, dad, I did pitch this to you. So you, you studied finance, and then when did you yeah. convert to going to do law? I mean, so finance, you've done a degree, then you go and do another one into law. Yeah, so basically I did finance, which was like, now it's actually one of my competitive advantages, is that I study, I studied finance, I fully understand the commercial aspect of everything, uh, I actually, and like I studied finance and went went into the financial field. I worked in banks. I worked in accountancy, and then I ended up working in procurement. And this is where I discovered my passion for corporate governance and all of that. And then I wanted to study a master's degree. So I, at the time, again, uh, there wasn't a lot of options in Abu Dhabi, and at that time, I was already married, and I had. Uh, one of my kids, so I couldn't really like go to Alain or anything like that. So uh, I studied a masters inside university again um, in international business. But that low kind of passion kept lingering in the background, uh, and I've just uh, and I've decided to kind of take the step to study law after I started working as an arbitrator and started getting into mediation a little bit more, that I've decided that I actually need that low knowledge, that in-depth low knowledge. And options now are far more available than the time that I was interested in that field. 
uh, and studied uh, uh, law actually just recently in 2016. Okay, so that's really interesting. This is two things then I want to talk about. So not only have you gone back for a third time to study with now four children under two, <laughs> you then get your law degree and then you set up your own business. So there was like there's a quite a few things in that. So first of all, what was it like going back to study and having a family and kind of doing it 15 it was uh, it was a, a humbling experience because I when I kind of consulted a few people to ask them what did they think and you know what's the best approach to do this because in my mind I was like I'm gonna go study another master's in law but uh, a friend of mine was like if you want to practice law in the UAE you really need to take your bachelor they wouldn't for you to qualify as a lawyer. You, you have to have the bachelor degree. So I was like, okay, you know, I was very reluctant because it's four years. It's mm-hmm. not like I have to study from scratch. Wow. So I went and applied to the university and I had to do it in Arabic as well because laws in the UAE are in Arabic. Uh, so I went to law school first semester. A, I have spent uh, the last 13 years of my work experience and education predominantly speaking, practicing, uh, communicating mainly in English. Mm-hmm. So my formal Arabic was subpar. <laughs> it was not really good. Secondly, um, I went in after like a like few years of not studying anything with the uh, uh, a lot of like fresh grads from their high school diploma, so it was <laughs> it was extremely humbling. I felt like the the, the grandma of the group, you know, <laughs> when there's a, a movie where there's the, the old man who decides to go back to school. That's exactly how I felt like, you know. And all of those eager, you know, like they just finished school and they're eighteen and nineteen. I was like, what am I doing here? <laughs> I had like the first semester, there was a lot of moments of what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I had to kind of refocus and, and, and think back about the core of why am I doing this? So I had to really, really have the why very clear, crystal clear in my head so I can keep going. So yeah, it was, it was challenging. I think that's a really important piece of advice, you know, to always remember to connect with the why are we doing something on the days where it feels so tough it's like what's the bigger picture short-term discomfort versus long-term gain and in theory that's kind that was short-term discomfort but it was super uncomfortable but you kept connecting to the why to to get through it what was it you told me a story about your your brother are you happy to say what he shared to you was that when you graduated from law then or was that before so I, I have two brothers and, you know, bless them, I love them to bits. The youngest one, um, and we have like a proper age gap, like a typical UAE national um, family. So whenever he used to see me, he used to say a saying in Arabic, you know, after they, they grow old, they go back to school. Uh, there is like a saying in Arabic that does not translate uh, uh, very well. So he, keep, he kept teasing me and poking fun, you know, oh, you're going back to school with all those teenagers and all of that. Uh, and then after I graduated, because it was a long road, there was a pregnancy in the middle of that, you know, with baby number four, 
there was me quitting my full-time job and just making the plunge and setting up my business. It was all in the middle of those four years of me pursuing this law degree. And after, and supposedly, quote-unquote, I have opted for early retirement from, from uh, work. And whenever I tell anybody I'm retired, they go like, Fatma, you really cannot retire. Whoever knows me very well, they go like, are you retiring really? I was like, I'm retiring to do something else. But yeah, I'm retiring from government. Uh, after I graduated, uh, my brother sent me the sweetest message and said, you know, you're redefining what retirement looks like for all of us uh, in, in the family. Because it's not really retirement, but, you know, it's like doing some, like having another breath of life and into your career, you know, somewhat. So, yeah. Can, can we just clarify for those that are listening and maybe can't see the video, do you mind sharing how old you are? Because when people think of retirement, they might be like, 60s and 70s you are far 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 from that so how old are you i am you can uh, give a bracket if you don't want to (laughs) Uh, the problem is i'm at the beginning of the bracket i'm 40 (laughs) i don't want to give an older bracket yeah 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 okay okay you could be gone with late 30s but yeah yeah i was not going on 40 this year so i've retired when i was 30 36, 37. So is this what it is, retirement from, you retire from government roles? Is that what it's technically? Yes. You, are you expected yes. to go into a government role? Is everyone expected to do that as a UAE national? And then how does that work? That perception is changing slowly. But um, at, the, at the time that I was, uh, um, that I graduated from university, it's as if your job is waiting for you. You know, and we were very fortunate now looking at the way it is for younger generation. It's like you go out of university immediately, you either work in ADNOC or, or some other parts of government, you know, municipality, something. But if you're educated, you're a national, more or less, you have your job set out for you. I was very fortunate, and because I am also like I have this overachiever gene into embedded into me. Uh, when I was in my final year in, in university, in my first bachelor, uh, a bank actually came and offered part-time jobs for um, students. Um, so you work every weekend, and you know they they'll give you a, a small. Uh, uh, um, salary and then when you graduate you work with them for a few years uh, so me and and again I have no idea where that all of that confidence was <laughs> at the time I go into the interview I was like I'm not interested in this program and they're like well, then what, what do you want I was like I want a full-time job and they're like well, you don't you did not even graduate I was like I know but I want a full-time job I don't want a part-time job I don't want to go work in the weekends I want an everyday job and I remember the, the HR guy was like, and why should we give you one? I was like, because nobody will do what I'll be capable of doing. <laughs> I look back at that, you know. I, should, I could have been like around like 19 year old at, at the time. Love I like, it. I don't know where that came from or how. It's just, you know, what's, what was meant to happen. And luckily, they have offered me a full-time job after that display of, of full-on courage. <laughs> it, work. it pays off. 
It does, it does, yeah. It's a very similar story that when I was 18, I was desperate to live overseas. And there was a role that you could do, a job where you would apply and you would become what they called as a, a holiday rep. So you would be going placed in another country and then you would look after all the visiting tourists for a week or two weeks and take them on bus trips and all of this kind of stuff. I thought this at 18 instead of going to uni was a brilliant uh, opportunity to travel. And I remember they did the presentation. So in a similar sort of sense, someone came, talked about it. And they said this, um, you had to be 21. And I was 18. And I was like, well, everything that, that they're asking for on the list, I can totally do. So I went up and I did exactly the same. I went up to the lady and I remember her name, Moya Forrest. And I was like, hi, I'm Kelly Lindbergh. Everything that you say on this, and I totally went into it. And it was kind of along the same lines. And she was like, okay, we don't take people that are 18, but seeing as you've been so forward, we'll give you a job interview. And I and, they, and she said to me this thing, what, um, what time would you like to come for your job interview? And I was like, well, first thing, I'll take your very first appointment. And yeah. the next day, I ended up being the youngest holiday rep that the entire tour operator had ever employed. Like it was in the local newspaper and everything. I think my dad still got a cut out of it. But um, that sort of, what would you say, air of confidence or naivety? Yeah. What is it that you're just like, do you know what? Something in the middle. <laughs> so much confidence and so little knowledge about how the world works. <laughs> when you say ignorance is bliss, <laughs> that is one of the uh, pure uh, definitions of, of those acts. Because you really don't know what you're signing up for. And then I went back to my university. I was like, remember that program? And, you know, I actually got offered a full-time job. And um, again, like th there are certain, like, um, uh, a certain consistency within me in everything that I do. I was the only student at the time in Zayed University who have, who have chosen to, made, to specialize in finance. Everybody was steering away from finance. They thought it was too difficult. Everybody was either in accounting or marketing. Because most of, the, most of my classes were one-on-one -on -one with my professor, uh, the dean at the time, and I stayed in touch with the dean for many, many years uh, afterwards until uh, he passed away. Um, he actually tailor-made my schedule to ensure that I go to work. To do the full-time so, job? Yeah. Ah, so okay. uh, my, my job was in the morning uh, at uh, around uh, 2 p.m. I leave and I go for my university, attend my classes at 5 p.m. I'm done every day. And that is what I've done in the last year. And Zion University, I, I have to say, like, I, I am, it's my, it's my uh, university. I took my uh, master's and my bachelor's from there. But it have changed changed my life, honestly. Wow! What would you be? In, what are you instilling into your your kids now? You've got four of them. You know, you've gone through this, or have you talked about you had that overachieving gene, or um, you know that sort of confidence and naivety? Like, how are you translating that to your children so that you're maybe not in the position like when they come to you and go, "I want to go and study this, mum," and you're like, "No, you can't." <laughs> what are you doing yeah. to help them? Uh, I, I'm trying as much as I can to A, lead by example. Mm. 
And B, just, you know, give them the message is that you can do whatever it is that you want to do later on. And you don't have to be like your mom. Because at one point, like I have two uh, elder daughters and then two younger boys. The boys, they 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 do whatever they want in any ways <laughs> with the girls. They they kind of like the eldest especially. She was like one one day she was like I cannot compete with what you do. I was like and you're not requested to compete. They, she got a bit uh, intimidated because she's a bit different. She's like not like my personality. That they really never are like you completely. But I told her you have full permission to pursue whatever it is that you want to pursue. My my life and the way I went about my career and how I achieved it, it fits me and it suits me as a person. But it doesn't work for everyone. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you have to replicate either or to have to compete or live up to. So now my focus is, especially with this generation, is options are limitless. You don't have, as you said, you know, your job was like really waiting for you in government. Now I'm just, you know, trying to broaden their horizon in terms of you want to work in private sector, uh, government sector, you want to be a freelancer. I believe the next generation will have like the gig, um, uh, the gig industry, uh, which is, you know, a lot of freelancing, a lot of like independent work uh, being the future of earning an income and making a living. So I'm trying to kind of anticipate what will happen and just set them for success because that's all what you can do. Absolutely. And talking about success, so you've gone on to set up your own business, your own consultancy, and then how are paths actually crossed? Because one of the things that you knew you needed to do, but there was the slight reluctance, was work on your sort of personal brand. and, And I think it's quite, maybe from your perspective, I think it would be quite interesting to share because I think a lot of people listening maybe feel the same. The reluctance to investing in your personal brand or spending time on it, why you maybe were hesitant, but actually what made you decide to go ahead and go, I'm actively going to make a difference? Okay. So for me, because I do a lot of things and because my career have taken a lot of evolutions, in each circle that I work in, I'm known for something, Mm -hmm. but nobody really knows what I do in full. So some people know me as Fatma who trains, uh, and some people know me as Fatma who trains in procurement. Some people who know me as Fatma who trains in legal. Some people know me as the consultant. Abu Dhabi market still knows me as the procurement girl, (laughs) you know. Um, Dubai market knows me more for my legal work. So I was like, Trying to consolidate everything because I do offer all of that and all of that I believe I offer it uh, at a very high standard and I'm very confident of what I offer. But I wanted to consolidate everything and it, it got to a point where it got a bit overwhelming how to communicate what I do efficiently to everybody. Mm-mm-mm. So I started and I've been following you since but 2013 or something. Oh, wow, a long time. <laughs> long, long time ago. You've seen all my hair and all my shades. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen also the evolution of your career, you know. Yeah. I've been with you. Yeah, that's lovely, that's so lovely. Yeah, so uh, I've been like following you and, you know, seeing what you do and 
like having that thought in the back of my head that I do want to do something in my personal brand. But my reluctancy was always, but I don't want to be an influencer in, in, on Instagram. I don't want my life on display. It's not, I'm, I'm a very discreet and private person. Uh, and there's a lot of things that I don't want to share. Mm. Uh, so I kind of reached out because like I, I got into a dead end. I was like, okay, I, I need intervention. <laughs> I need it now because of like a few things that were happening with my work. And I reached out and I was like, listen, I need to understand what is it that we exactly do. And I attended one of your uh, master classes as well, which was eye-opening when we spoke about the pillars of, of personal branding and all of that. And it kind of started putting me at ease a little bit more about what we could do. But I remember the first mm. meeting we had, like for my, my personal brand, I was like, listen, I don't want to be an influencer. I don't want my life on display. And we started kind of like um, doing something bespoke to what I wanted to communicate. Uh, and, um, mm. and finally, at the same time that we were doing this, and I think I... I uh, I also told you, a few clients of mine told me, Fatma, why don't you like develop something uh, um, to communicate your brand? You have such a good brand, but you, Fatma, as Fatma, not your company. And I was like, actually, I'm working on it. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> so, yeah. The stars aligned. The stars are aligned. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that there is that sort of challenge and I think especially especially culturally, you know, that you don't want to be seen as, I think, you know, boasting, showing off. But I think there needs to be that sort of change that people do can see, not do see, but can see, you know, awards that people have um, presented you with. Because that then is inspiring, you know, whether it's not your daughters, the generation um, before that or after that. Um, and what I've liked about the journey that we've gone on as well is that there is a way to do it without it being, hey, look at me, and this is what I had for breakfast type thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, a lot of the, the content pillars we've talked about in terms of how are you communicating what it is that you do is much more along the lines of you know, inspiring, sort of your journey, um, taking risks, and you know, delivering excellent you know, customer service and delivering what it is that you do to the highest possible level. And you can communicate that through your personal brand and, and that's starting what's coming out. So I am loving the journey. I can't wait till your website is launched because one of the things that you really enjoy doing is speaking. Yeah, yeah. And you fly around the world. And yeah, I do. I do quite a bit of uh, public speaking. And the funny thing about speaking is that when I was at school, when I was younger, I used to stutter when I speak publicly. Wow. Yes. So how did you overcome that? Um, this was, uh, and again, it was different times and, and no shade or blame for anyone, but there was a teacher and I, I tell them a teacher broke me and another teacher built me up. Um, there was a teacher, uh, at my, at one of my schools and, uh, she really used to kind of criticize me so heavily and so brutally in front of everyone whenever I speak. So it made it so much worse. It was like. I cannot see the words, I panic, I break into a sweat, and I like stutter throughout. Um, yeah. And then when, uh, when I went into the uh, other school that I went to, 
another teacher, she had not left me until it was done. And she used to push me to speak in the morning assembly. And I used to tell her, I stutter, I cannot. And she's like, stutter away. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just even if you get on there and just say, uh, all the time, doesn't matter. Just, just kept pushing me there, you know. Uh, and then, you know, before I know it, I even forgot completely about it. I just remembered that a few years ago, uh, like uh, during uh, COVID, uh, I was actually like journaling and stuff. And, and it came up and I was like, oh, my God, how did I forget that so many years? I started emceeing when I was in university. Um, I was a master of ceremony for a big economical conference that was backed up by our university at the time. Uh, and it was done with Abu Dhabi Chambers of Commerce. And that was my first big event. And it was really fantastic uh, and fantastic experience. And from then, I just fell in love with public speaking and, you know, every opportunity I can. And now, mostly I like conferences, legal conferences, procurement conferences. All I do is speak. <laughs> such a good platform and it's one of the pillars in your personal brand for the credibility piece but it just makes you so visible to your peers to your competitors that you're standing on a stage and that stage can be you know from from your home nowadays with how we can communicate but you know it can be all over the world um, I wanted to touch upon probably one of the, the, the sort of last parts because I know we could speak for so long and I love everything that you're doing. But one of the things in particular, I know that's really close to your heart and all the areas of sort of the business through procurement, through the law and the consultancy is the sustainability aspect that you're really trying to drive, not only within your business, but through your clients. So maybe you can yes. sort of, and, and through the speaking, I think that's also one of the aspects and it's one of your content pillars that you really want to discuss more. I think it feels a bit obvious of going, why is sustainability so important to you? Because I think it should be important to everyone. So maybe with a different um, lens on it, what is it that you're doing to make that contribution to perhaps inspire other people? Yeah. So I, I heard somebody saying something that, that really stuck to me. It's like, whether it's sustainability or, you know, people who choose to become vegetarians or vegans or even if you're like having a normal diet in life, the whole purpose of all of those systems is to just do less harm in this world, right? So try to not be wasteful in the way that you're living. Try to not um, uh, contribute to uh, um, harmful environmental aspects. Try to, you know, we're, none of us are perfect in our sustainability journey, right? So it's just try to do small steps and believe in your heart that those small steps are really helping. Because sometimes it is really overwhelming when you're thinking about like the problem of environmental challenge and global warming. And you think like with the big polluters being factories and, you know, airplanes and all of that. But know in, in, in your heart that small, the, the bigger the number of those small acts, there will be an impact. And, you know, you don't change anything unless you change your own behavior. And then it will reflect on everybody else around you. So when I started, like, first of all, when I used to work for governments and my government organizations, I've always been involved in any green initiative that mm -hmm. was there. 
And then when I uh, established my own uh, uh, firm, uh, from the beginning, I, uh, I became a signatory in the United Nations Global Compact because they have 10 uh, uh, pillars and they all more or less um, um, align with my, uh, my, my methodology, my ethos, what I want to communicate in terms of ethics, uh, diversity, sustainability, and all of that. In addition to what I do also in my house, I try as much as possible to become less wasteful, repurpose before I throw anything, teach the kids the importance of all of this, um, and how they can also be very mindful about anything. We don't use like uh, um, plastic bottles, like small things like that. We have a reusable bottle that we keep using. Um, uh, everybody in, around the house, light, stuff like that. Um, so we try as much as we can to, to really practice that, that, uh, um, that uh, um, I would say, mantra, which is the sustainability. It's more than just a slogan of saying I'm sustainable. Even uh, in my own firm, we always use electronic bundles for our files, we try as much as we can not to print. Um, so like small, small, small things like that, in addition to being also as a part of the uh, uh, subcommittee in the MENA region for uh, greener arbitration as well, uh, which is also, again, guidelines on how to conduct arbitration in the most sustainable way possible. Uh, so small acts like this, uh, I know for a normal person will say, oh, that's not really optimal, you can do more, but it's not perfection that you're seeking, it's just progress, you know, little steps, and the collective little steps will amount to something. Progress over perfection, I love it, yes. love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing everything. Uh, I know that you're super busy with all the hats, or I should say, in the culture, it should be all the shalas that you're wearing. Because you know, <laughs> oh, all the um, how can people find you? So, what's your personal branded, um, maybe website name, and maybe your Insta or LinkedIn? I think you're quite um, you're you're building up your uh, presence on LinkedIn. So, share how people can find out more about you. So, I have my personal website, which is uh, Fatma Belfati, um, as it's spelled on the screen now one uh, together without any dots or anything, dot com. And then um, I also, as you said, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, again, Fatma.Balfaqi is my LinkedIn uh, page. If you find me and you will find a lot of small uh, letters behind my Balfaqi name. All, all those bachelor degrees that you've gone back <laughs> each time to do. It's so, like, it's it's just so inspiring. It, it's one of the oh, things I think that you know just maybe to kind of finish up on that about um the role model and as much as i know that that you get quite embarrassed about it but but there's the younger generation of and i say the younger generation the generation before you really do look up to you making waves within the industries that you're in because not only have you been you know it's a male-dominated culture within the uae that's obviously changed but you're also in a very male-dominated industry wherever you are so yeah. I think that that in itself has had its own challenges. It's kind of like the, the double side, but so many, um, you're inspiring so many young Emirati women and not just Emirati women like myself to, 
to you know be that better person and show up and and keep 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 going keep aspiring wow thank you so much but my my only message is that there is no limitations limitations is what you put for you and your mind as limitations whatever is your situation there is a way to work around it uh, and as you said like uh, I don't like to speak a lot about the challenges or though some lessons are learned from them, but it's not like I, I don't want it to turn into a, a complaining <laughs> podcast, but there's a lot of challenges uh, in, in any change. Whenever you're just pushing the envelope a little bit, there's a lot of people that will come up to you and tell you, no, it won't work. What are you doing? Uh, why are you choosing the difficult way? I still have people coming to me and saying, I don't understand why aren't you resting at home? You're tired. Um, so you, you have that kind of voice going up. But for me, the joy of life is the joy of giving, giving to the community, giving to my kids, giving to myself as well, because that is like mental uh, uh, stimulation for me. I cannot imagine myself without doing this. Yeah. It's a bit selfish as well. But whatever it is that you think you want to do, Give it a try. Yeah. There's nothing that you would lose. Just give it a try. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, then there you go. You know that it doesn't. You try something else. You can tell why Fatima and I, Fatima and I get on so well as well because that is very much my ethos too. Thank you so much for being part of the Kelly Limber podcast. I have done this entire episode standing. This might be a new norm, actually. I hope I didn't move around too much, but it was... It's a different energy when you stand versus when you're sitting and talking about the standing desk as well. So have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for your knowledge. And uh, yeah, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today and listening to this episode. Were you inspired? What was one of your key takeaways that you can action? Tag me, tag the guest in Instagram. I love to know what really got you going in this episode. If you want to know more about how you can take your personal brand to the next level, then book in for a call with me. Click the link in my bio, work with Kelly, answer the questions and learn a little bit more about how you can take your brand and business to the next level. We've got a couple of ways that you can work with us, whether it's through our brand new Accelerator Mastermind, which just been launched to one-to-one and even working with the extended team on your digital assets. If you're looking for branding when it comes to your website, social media graphics, one of the things that we're doing a lot just now is email signatures, just elevating that email with a professional looking signature at the end. We also have some incredible reviews And did you know this week? So this is great because often when this happens when you first start a podcast, but we are over a year in, we are still, Kelly Loomer Podcast is still in the top 100 podcasts on entrepreneurship in the UK and top 15 in the UAE. And that is thanks to you, you that are out there, that are reviewing this, that are listening to it and sharing it with your friends. I appreciate it and I appreciate you. Thank you so much.